It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, July 3rd. Of course, host Mike Silva here. And you can check out the show all the time on MetsMariaOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can get the show on iTunes, leave a review, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, any podcasting service you desire. I'm probably on it. Go out there and find it. Hope everybody's doing well about a week before the trade deadline, and I wish I could tell you that we had something new to talk about, and we really don't. I'm, I'm going to try here to keep your interest in this 2017 Mets season with this podcast because um, I'll be frank. I'll be honest with the audience. It's been really tough to get into these broadcasts, uh, but that's what this is about. You know, Anybody who just basically only talks about the team when they're on a run is a fraud. And it's very easy to do that. This is where it gets a little bit tougher. And there's a couple of different ways you can go. You could do some historical perspectives, you know, look back. And I, I might do something like that. I've been looking into a couple of different guests. And with the Subway Series and the 20-year anniversary of the first Subway Series, the inaugural Subway Series, coming up, I've been thinking about doing something along Maybe those lines, so stay tuned for that. I don't know what I'm going to be able to muster up because it, it all depends on the cooperation of a guest, but maybe we'll do something along those lines. You know, maybe you get a former Met. There's always the, and we haven't done a lot of this, and I used to do a lot of this at the old NYBD podcast, the old, I guess you call them the uh, alumni interviews. And I think because of the proliferation of podcasts and the internet, and the 86 celebration again, the second time in 10 years. I think that maybe some of them have been played out. I mean, we had Doug Sisk last year during the 86 celebration, so it's not like we haven't done that, but maybe we can do more of that. I mean, I have so many in the can that I could go back and replay that are probably relevant, even though they could be as much as 10 years old with some former Mets, but I'm not sure I want to go that route. So anyway... Michael Mayer from MetsamorizedOnline.com will be joining me in a little bit. Had a chance to catch up with Michael earlier today before the Mets took on the A's. Uh, obviously another Sunday, another loss, uh, but a, a positive homestand. And uh, Michael and I will talk about where he sees the Mets being able to get value. Uh, you know, he does really have a, uh, an ear to the, the street with some of this minor league stuff. You know, who would you like to see if the Mets made a trade with the Indians or the Dodgers or maybe the Yankees? You know, Joel Sherman had a column in the New York Post earlier today bringing up uh, a bunch of names, you know, for Addison Reed and Duda and what have you. So a bunch of different things that, you know, could possibly be coming back the Mets' way. And I'd like to see what Michael has to say. Personally, it's hard for me to sit here and hone in on a particular player, because unlike when the Mets were trading Beltron, and you really knew the Giants and maybe the Braves, 
Texas, those were the three teams, if you think back, who, uh, who were really pursuing Beltron. There's a lot of moving parts here. I mean, Reed could go to so many different teams. You know, is there interest in a Duda or a Jay Bruce? You know, a Struble Cabrera. I mean, all these guys, Neil Walker, if he comes back and shows that he's healthy. I know he's on a rehab assignment. All these guys could garner some kind of interest. The real important part here for the Mets is not to do something to harm 2018. I mean, really, and I've said this, and I think that that's really my, my thought before we get to the piece. I'd like to give you guys my thought. This week, leading up to the trade deadline, the Mets cannot harm where 2018 is compromised. Because this is not a bad team. This is a team that has a bad manager, a bad pitching coach, uh, probably, uh, you know, for all you can say about uh, Sandy Alderson, maybe he misconstructed the outfield a little bit. But, you know, you had Bruce and Conforto and Cespedes. Uh, you know, I don't think that that would, was the best scenario for three guys with two spots. But you weren't going to be able to get anything for Bruce. If he played like this last year, you probably could have traded him for something. Conforto has to play, even though he's not a great center fielder, he's adequate. You know, you look at the up-the-middle defense, I don't think you could have predicted, you know, Reyes and Cabrera and the defensive drop-off that they had. Or, in the case of Reyes, really how lousy he played the first two and a half months of the season. I don't think you could have predicted, you know, third base and, and maybe some of the defensive struggles that have happened over there. That includes Reyes, but even with Flores and T.J. Rivera. Ultimately, the defense is a problem, but let's face it. This team has been built on pitching, and when it's all said and done, other than Jacob deGrom and a smattering of Seth Lugo, the pitching staff has been atrocious. It has been second division, Phillies, Braves level. Phillies level atrocious. I mean, uh, when you have pitchers performing 17 to 20 percent below league average like the Mets have in the starting rotation you can't compete you can't win and sure uh, Rafael Montero has shown a little bit of uh, more than maybe what you would have expected over the last couple of starts the thing is those that's a guy who should be your fill-in your sixth or seventh starter uh, Gazelman has had a horrible year Harvey who the hell knows what's going on there Zach Wheeler has not responded from Tommy John surgery. I mean, he's, he's had some runs, but he hasn't been consistent. Uh, Lugo has just certainly come around. I mean, Steven Matz has not been good. I mean, he had that stretch where he was like what, a run in 17 innings. He, you know, he pitched well against the Braves, and you know, he seemed to have uh, you know, his stuff, I think it was Miami. But in general, Steven Matz has not been good. Uh, the bullpen has been a horrendous outside of Addison Reed, and he was a little shaky early on. But Addison Reed has been good. Uh, Salas has been bad. You know, Seawald. I think uh, you know we'll see what happens with him. I think his peripherals are a little bit better than what his overall performance. But he's looking like a situational righty. Edge and all right, he's been okay, and Jerry Blevins has been really good. But it's not enough. You have a lot of situational guys there. You don't have that crossover guy. Like last year when you had Familia. And maybe with Familia going down and, and Addison Reed being pushed to the ninth, that had clearly a big effect. Because if you have guys like Blevins and Edgin and Seawall that you can mix and match, lefty-righty, things like that, it's possible that you can navigate 
an inning, maybe you know five outs. But you got to get the starters to the seven, and the starters have not been like they have last year. Look, if the Mets had the pitching that they had last year, even with some of the issues they had with the bullpen and the mismanagement of the bullpen last year, with this offense, this is a pretty good team. This is a team that's probably one of the better teams in the National League. It didn't work out that way, and I don't know. Is it the way that the team prepared these starters in spring training? I don't know. I mean, they have to figure that out because, really, if you start to look at the roster and what you could get for a Neil Walker or Jay Bruce or Cabrera, you're not getting back a front-line starting pitcher here. You know, the best-case scenario is you're going to get maybe some legitimate prospects that can help you in a couple of years, maybe in the bottom half of the top ten. Maybe you get a component bullpen arm or a component positional player. Somebody who could be a backup, backup catcher, you know, backup outfielder. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody who eventually starts. But you got to temper your expectations because you just don't know. Now, here's the thing: you could get a really solid prospect. Nobody thought the Mets were going to trade Beltron back in 2011 for anything. First, nobody believed that he was going to stay healthy. Second, because he was on his walk year. Well, who's going to give you a lot when he's on his walk year? Well, the Giants did because the Giants, who had won a championship the year before, needed offense, and they wanted to win another championship. So that's very possible that Addison Reed falls into that category. I don't know if the offensive players do, but I certainly think Addison Reed, anybody who needs help in the bullpen, they're basically adding a closer and a guy who's been really good. So we'll see. The most dangerous thing the Mets can do here is harm 2018. And the most dangerous thing they can do, and I don't think Sandy Olison would do this, is try to add to this team to make a fake run. Because they're not in the pennant race. They're the ultimate in-between, what you see right here. So, you know, right now, it's really a situation where you sit back, you enjoy what you can enjoy. It's certainly fun to watch Wilma Flores walk off against the A's. It'll be fun when eventually, and I know he's been sick with some food poisoning, Ahmed Rosario and Dominic Smith come up. You know, maybe we'll get to see a, a couple of bullpen arms, maybe a McGowan or something like that. You know, maybe we'll see some, you know, those Vegas bullpen arms and see if there's anything down there. And really right now, this week is critical towards 2018. And as long as the Mets don't harm 2018, and you can't by trading any of these free agents because they're gone anyway, and you could bring in any of them back. But I don't want them to really do something drastic. You know, I would think before I would trade a Wilmer Flores. I really would. You know, you certainly don't want to trade a Jacob deGrom or a Seth Lugo or someone like that. I mean, there's only so many players on this roster that would garner interest. And then, you know... As far as Cespedes, I know there's a lot of uproar about Cespedes. I think that was the other thing that everybody wants to talk about or was talking about. If you take anything that Cespedes says seriously when it comes to I want to be here, I want to be there, these guys, they're in the moment. When the Mets were in a World Series, when he had just gotten his big contract, he's you know feeling all blue, you know, bleeding all orange and blue. And then he's seeing you know, the team that, when he came over from Cuba, gave him the big contract, gave him his shot, took him out of poverty, and now he's getting sentimental. I can't blame him for that. Cespedes is not going to be your clubhouse leader. Cespedes is going to be your impact bat. He's not going to be the guy that's going to be any kind of makeup leader in that clubhouse. 
Cespedes is going to be there to provide offensive power and be one of the most dynamic offensive power hitters the Mets have had since Mike Piazza. That's on the field. Off the field, guys like Curtis Granderson, Neil Walker, when he was here, Daniel Murphy, when he was healthy, David Wright, guys like that, those are going to be your leaders. And you hope Michael Conforto, as he continues to develop, who's going to be the next David Wright, I believe, on this team, where we'll be given the opportunity to be the David Wright going forward. Those are the guys who are going to be your leaders. And I think they actually do lack some leadership. I think they have a, a manager that allows them, and I've said this, to be too comfortable, comfortable and doesn't push them. I think Darno is a nice guy, and he's had an okay season, but I don't think he's the leader behind the plate to manage a pitching staff. I think you got a lot of guys that are looking for that take charge, gr- you know, real tough guy. I think the Nationals have a lot of those guys. One of them was probably the guy that the Mets should have never let go, and I was right there with letting Murphy go. But I digress. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When I come back, Michael Mayer, let's take a look at what maybe the Mets could get for some of these free agent pieces that are going to be out on the market. Let's see what his thoughts are about buying, selling. Should the Mets give it one more run? They're going out on the West Coast, San Diego, Seattle. Maybe, maybe with a decent start to the West Coast trip, by the time the deadline is here, they're going to be in Colorado. Could they get to a game, maybe 500? unlikely, very dangerous if they pass up on a good deal. On a good deal, there's a deal to be had. I think they got to do it because once they go to Colorado and then they play the Dodgers right after the uh, trading deadline, I think it's uh, good night, Irene, on the 2017 Mets season officially because I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to go out there and compete. Uh, and I think they're going to have a real dose of reality once they get to the rare air, the rarefied air of uh, the Rocky Mountains. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. Of course, you can check out the show all the time on MetsMorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. We'll be back with Michael Mayer of Metsmorized Online right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, Online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back about a week or so before the trade deadline is upon us. Uh, still a lot of questions surrounding the Mets and decided to bring in our friend from uh, Mets Marized Online, uh, Mets Miners, Michael Mayer. Michael, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, it should be an interesting week coming up. Uh, still a lot of questions about whether the Mets will be buyers or sellers, uh, I, I guess, depending on where you look at them in the standings. Yeah, it should be an interesting week. Um... I guess before the latest little win streak, you'd definitely say they were sellers. I don't think 
I don't think the little win streak changes too much. I still think they'll be sellers, and especially with the pending free agents, I, I still think a big group of those guys will go. But it kind of makes it interesting if they win a couple more games, do they do they sell but still have a chance, I mean, outside chance of kind of making a run at 500 in the wild card. So it's uh, certainly going to be an interesting um, 10 days or so. What what do you feel if you're in Sandy Alderson's shoes? Let's say Mets are a game or two under 500. They're still about eight, seven games out. You can get some compensation for some of these free agents. Uh, Jay Bruce offering them the uh, uh, the qualifying offer. Who knows what it'll be, $18, $20 million. I, especially with a Bruce, I don't think he would take that. I think he could get a multi-year deal. But it's risky. You know, You saw what happened with Neil Walker. Uh, is there more value holding on to these guys, having something to play for in the sense where maybe they're not a playoff team, but you have, still have a, a, a team that's going to be fairly competitive? It may be exciting because maybe they finally put it all together in August and September. Like you said, finish 500, maybe a couple of games over. Maybe they make a run where they're like fringy second wild card contender uh, because you just don't know what you're going to get. And if you listen to a lot of the experts, there's not a lot of value for the Mets guys. I find that hard to believe, but that is something that, you know, is going around around the, uh, you know, I guess the campfire, the MLB campfire. Yeah, I think the toughest thing that makes it hard to go in between is that Reed is by far your biggest trade chip. Um, he's going to, he should bring back quite a bit in return given the price on relievers. And so you have, I think you have to deal him whether you're seven and a half, eight games out, or you're 12 games out. Either way, you have to trade him, and once you do that, that bullpen becomes just bad, really bad, to be honest. So it would be tough to kind of be in between with that unless you think we're going to see Familia in a couple of weeks, and I still think I still think August, I mean, September is probably more likely for him. So it makes it really tough because of Reed. Because he, I think he's all but gone, and that would be the right move for me because of what he could bring back. So once you trade Reed, the offense could still be good if you kept guys like Duda and Bruce. But that that pen is that pen has already um, had some issues this year, and then you're trading away the best guys. So it would be it would be tough to kind of play that in between once you got rid of him, assuming they do. And I, I think that would be a mistake if they didn't trade him. I have Michael Mayer with me from Mets Marized Online, Mets Miners. Uh, we always like to check in with him every couple of months. What better time to check in as the trade deadline's coming up and uh, talk about what the Mets have, what they could get. And it looks like this time around they'll be uh, sellers instead of buyers. And you just made a great point. It is such a shame that this season went down, especially with the pitching. And I know the injuries. I can't quite figure out why even the healthy starters and relievers have been so bad. I haven't been able to put my finger on it. I don't know if it's utilization. I don't know if it's preparation. I don't know if it's the program the team has. But with the offense the way it's been, if you put last year's pitching with this year's offense, you have a much different scenario both last year and this year, I think. That's what the killer part about it is. And I, I really can't put a finger on why these guys have been so bad and why they all, all of them, have underperformed. Not You can't really say that one of them has performed at or above expectations. 
No, and that that's the thing with the selling, too. I mean, if you had, or if you thought Syndergaard and Familia were going to be back within the next week or two, I think that kind of changes your stance on what they should do because, I mean, that's one of the best pitchers and one of the best starters in baseball and one of the best closers in baseball. So that would be a completely different team. And But, yeah, more to your point, I mean, Gazelman has, I mean, he was a big disappointment. I think um, that he might have to move to the bullpen once he comes back. Um, yeah, it's been disappointing to see, I mean, Salas in the bullpen. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Salas to be what he was last year, but he's, since that first, after the first week of the season, he's been horrible. And I, I don't know if that was because of the overusage right away, because he didn't get his visa in time, so he only had a couple outings in spring, and then Terry kind of went to him pretty heavy in the first couple of weeks, and everything's been down from there. So I don't know if that was a issue with him of getting ramped up too fast. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's certainly it's certainly been disappointing, and I think more so from the starter um, point with Gazelman, um, Harvey, and then the injury to Syndergaard. Because once, once they started underperforming and getting injured, that made that bullpen, which was already a little bit vulnerable, even worse when they had to throw so many innings. So it's kind of a bad cycle that went hand-in-hand with the bullpen and the starters. And that brings me to trading points. Um, If you're going to trade these guys, look, you may not get what the Yankees received for Chapman last year. I don't know, maybe with Reed. I mean, there's been rumors the Dodgers are interested. I mean, you've heard for months the Nationals are. I mean, things may have changed a little bit with Sean Doolittle, that deal that they were able to uh, pull off with uh, Ryan Madsen. Uh, you hear about Cabrera and the Indians, Jay Bruce and the Indians. I had heard that there was – you had reported it as well, that there was some scouting of the Indians AA team. Is it possible – because I don't know if there's a, a Wheeler-type you know, Beltron trade out there for the Mets right now, but is it possible for them – to get quality players that are component parts for next year's team because I have not subscribed to the total teardown and rebuild. I don't know why people are into that. Uh, it's an NBA thing. Either you're a champion contender or you're, you're a lottery team. There's a lot here with the Mets. I, I know they have to make changes. Certainly they're going to go into next year with questions about the starting pitching, but they got to ride this out. they got to ride this through. So in your opinion, I mean, think about Reed, Bruce. You've heard the Indians. You've heard the Dodgers. Is there an upside trade like a Wheeler-Beltron trade out there, or do you think they could get component pieces that could help them next year? Maybe some bullpen arms. Maybe uh, potentially a center fielder. I'm not saying a star, but somebody who could play some defense, and maybe you know, even if it's a fourth outfielder type, uh, you know, maybe that's the best they can do because these guys are free agents. And then the flip side of that is what we said earlier. Do you really want to do that instead of get the draft pick? That's that's where this gets a little tricky. Yeah, I think um, specifically talking with the Indians, one guy I know I've seen mentioned and I mentioned yesterday was Greg Allen, who's uh, um, he hasn't hit much this year, but he's got some speed and he's gold glove type guy in center field, and he walks too. So, I mean, at worst, you're looking at someone who can get on base and play a great center field, which is, I mean, and has some speed, which is what you hope for Ligaris, but I mean, we're kind of past hoping for anything with Ligaris just because every year he shows flashes and then he gets hurt and misses a good portion of the season. So, And 
the biggest one of the biggest weaknesses on this team right now, even with Conforto playing okay out there, is they still do not have a natural center fielder, which they really, really need. And I think Allen is a guy that I would target with the Indians, and because, like you said, they've shown interest in both Cabrera and Bruce. Um, one of the names that I know the Mets scouted the other day when he started for Double A, the Yankees Double A system, is uh, Domingo Acevedo, who has been clocked at 103 miles per hour. Um, he's starting right now and has been, but they think ultimately he's a reliever. And he's 23 right now. He has pitched in Triple A. I think he'll probably finish the year in Triple A, whether it's Yankees or whoever. Um, so I think Acevedo is that type of guy that if you've got, say, in a Duda trade, because I still think that the Yankees need help at first base because they're putting Frazier at third and Headley, who's been pretty terrible at first base. So I think if that would be a great trade if the Mets could get Acevedo in a deal for Duda because I think he's the type of guy that could go right into the bullpen next year and help them out there, which is an obvious um, weak spot that we've seen. Yeah, almost 10 strikeouts per nine innings uh, for his minor league career. Like you said, 23 years old. Uh, at ten, you know, he's he's only at high. I mean, this year he's been at high A, double A. You're right. He's at triple A. Uh, had his best, you know, starting run at double uh, A Trenton. Just to be, you know, and I spent a lot of time down there. Uh, that's a that's really a pitcher's ballpark down there. That league is a is a pitcher's league. So, you know, somebody to work with. That's, you know, the Yankee thing, Michael, is very interesting because historically when they've made deals, you really, the Mets don't really get a lot out of it. I know there was the David Justice trade and they flipped Justice and they got Guthrie. He was a useful reliever, a useful piece in a losing season. The, the Benitez trade, uh, they didn't get much out of that. Uh, Darren Reed, back in the day, they got him. Uh, I guess in the Santana trade, he might have been something if he, you know, that was a weird career that Darren Reed had. The Mets never really get anything out of the Yankees. But if you package Duda and Reed, even though I know the Yankees have just uh, acquired a couple of bullpen arms, the Yankees really need to do what the 2006 Mets did, which is really go five innings with their starters, go heavy on the bullpen, rely on offense. And uh, that would really fill that kind of, I guess, blueprint if they brought those two guys in. It would be painful to watch them potentially go to World Series, but if you could get better than Acevedo, what do you think realistically? If you were Sandy Alderson, and I don't know if the Yankees would ever give up anything that could be high-end, could the Mets get a higher-end package from the Yankees, knowing they have a deep farm system, if they were to package those two arms, you know, assuming that they're still interested in Reed and would like to have Reed, uh, who I think could you know, fit in anywhere, sixth inning, seventh inning. Uh, you know, Bitonsis hasn't been great. Uh, and even Chapman's been shaky this year. You can maybe even use him as a closer. So would you go that route, and do you think the Mets could do better than Acevedo uh, with maybe a little bit more thrown into that deal? I mean, I think I think you could. I mean, I think you could get Acevedo plus. I don't, I don't think you're getting higher, technically higher end because Frazier's... Is there anybody in the system trade. you really like? Is there anybody other than Acevedo that's realistic for them to get that you like that you put, could, they could push for? Well... Jorge Guzman is another extremely hard thrower um, that ends, throws 100 and probably ends up in the bullpen, too. He would be another high-end arm that would be nice to add to the system. I know a lot of people have talked about uh, their third-base prospect, uh, Miguel Andujar, 
who actually made his major league debut earlier this year. And as we know, third base is a glaring need for the Mets. And he is someone people feel could step in and start there next year. He's a, he's not a big power guy, but he's got a great arm at third, uh, good contact guy. Um, he's the type of guy that, I mean, would fit nice with the, in the Mets system, or more so he could might possibly start at third. We've gone, we've seen Flores and Rivera who have both hit decent this year, but we've also found out that neither of them are third basemen. Oh, that's 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 a very well. I believe it or not, I think Rivera is a better third baseman than Flores. But you're right; they're probably better at other positions, and uh, the Mets definitely have a glaring need at third base. That's why, I mean, you know, you're going to look at uh, the free agent market, and that's really where this is going. You have Lorenzo Cain of the Mustakis, well, as of now, is a free agent. Um, you've even talked about and put up some stats on Twitter last night about how you know everybody hates Travis Darno and and I'm not really a big Travis Darno fan but when you start to look at what's out there Luke Croy I know Weeders was a name that went to Washington and the fans were were into him uh, Darno hasn't had that bad of a year in comparison to what they could get and what most wanted them to get this offseason it's really a tight spot because the Mets are going to have to improve from within and this this deadline may help them do that uh, because it's becoming harder and harder when you go on the free agent market to see quality, at least this year coming up. There's, there's players, but I don't see a lot of upgraded answers for what the Mets are looking to do. They're just going to have to make do with what they have, and their players who have talent are going to have to improve. Which is, with your point with Darno, is, I, like you said, both a lot of Mets fans were clamoring for Weeders and or um, Lucroy at the trade deadline last year and both of them Lucroy even more so cuz he's not o- only fallen off offensively I mean he's OPS is under 640 but he's been one of the worst defenders in the game too which is a huge shock um Weeders hasn't hit well and he's been horrible defensively I mean so it's Darno hasn't been that I mean obviously the on-base percentage is a little unsightly but he showed power He's actually been pretty solid behind the plate, despite what some people still think about him. Sherlock has actually done a pretty good job there because he's been good at blocking. He's been good at framing. He's Well, he's always been good at that. But between him and Rivera, they've actually been decent behind the plate. And it's such a tough spot to upgrade. I mean, in a perfect world, maybe you could get Lucroy on a one-year like bounce-back type deal and take a chance on him. But then you're you're still not guaranteed because he's been worse than Darnell this year in every aspect. So you're not guaranteed that he's going to be an upgrade. So, like, and where you were talking about free agents, it's not a great free agent class for their needs. I mean, realistically, third base and center field are the two biggest needs. And the two biggest names that always come up are Lorenzo Cain and um, Mike Moustakas, both from the Royals, of course. And I just don't think with them both of them being the top options, I don't think the Mets are going to go out there and be the top bidder for either of those guys. So after that, you kind of it's going to kind of send piece that team together next year. And I, I don't buy into, like you said before, I don't buy in at all that 2018 is a rebuild or a teardown or whatever. You're still going to have Cespedes in left field. You're still going to have Conforto in center or right field. Um, 
you're still going to have that pitching staff. Hopefully, Familia comes back healthy. Uh, going to have likely Dom Smith at first base, probably Rosario at shortstop too. So you put a couple of veterans in there around some of these younger guys. I think at a veteran starter, I still think this team can contend next year. I mean, like you said, it's going to take it's going to take some bits and pieces, some veterans, some places. Um, and it kind of, I think we'll see some of those veteran pieces be guys that come back, whether it's Walker, um, Cabrera was definitely in the plans to come back next year, but I think that's kind of sailed now. Um, hopefully you can re-sign Reed even after trading him. That would be a big key to contending next year, I think. But again, I think you can put a couple of small pieces in there, a couple of um, average players in there or average players that you're going to stay healthy, hopefully. And I think they can compete next year. It's it's not something that you need to turn around and just sell off all these pieces. It's, and and it'll be interesting talent. not to interrupt you. You know, Jay Bruce, you know, if, if Lorenzo Cain isn't an option, and I don't really think Lagares is an everyday center fielder, Jay Bruce and, and Comforto in center is adequate, but you saw on Friday night there was a ball late in the game he should have caught. It's just not the position I would I would put him in. I don't th- not because I don't think he's trying or or he's not adequate. He's a corner outfielder, especially with his arm. But Jay Bruce, if you can't get a legitimate center fielder, maybe you go with this quirky thing again. Maybe try to bolster with Rosario and Smith the infield defense a little bit. Uh, the outfield defense could, from a metric standpoint, maybe you could hide a little bit more uh, if you position appropriately. It's not a wild idea. It's not what I would do, you know, because I like up the middle defense. But, you know, just to walk away from Jay Bruce and put Lagaris in center and figure that the defense is going to make up for the drop in offense, I don't believe that either, especially in the outfield. And so, no, I don't either. And I'm, I'm in the boat with you that I'm generally a defensive-minded guy when it comes to things, but given the lack of options, Bruce and Wright and Conforto and center might not be the Mets' worst option. And as we've seen, the production-wise offensively is there for those guys, and that's not a worry. Conforto, like you said, there's going to be balls that he doesn't get to in center that other guys would. But he's, he's been overall pretty decent there, and the metrics agree with that. And in right field, Bruce has actually had a very good year defensively, kind of surprisingly at his age. So, I mean, if Ligaris, um can stay healthy enough to be that fourth outfielder that you use a lot late in games, I, right. I don't think it's that bad of an outfield. Like you, No, you the talking. infield defense needs to get better. I mean, it's horrible. It's awful. Oh, and, and it's just not and fair. I think, I think it does immediately once – I mean – I would be absolutely shocked if Rosario isn't the starting shortstop next year, which is an immediate huge boost, not only to shortstop, but just to the left side of the infield because the Mets haven't had anyone with range at shortstop in years since Prime Reyes. So not only does he help that position, but he helps the third base position too because of the range that Rosario has. So that is an immediate upgrade to the infield defense. So I think... I think that'll be a big boost to not just the defense, but uh, it'll be a big boost to the pitching staff. So, and if if Smith's at first, Duda's a pretty decent first baseman, but Smith is a couple of notches above him defensively. 
go with those two guys, that's already improving the infield defense, which has, like you said, been very bad this year. Did you read the comments? I don't know if you saw the Danny Nobler comment uh, from a scout that really said that Dominic Smith was fat, looks like he's 50. He's been knocked about his weight quite a bit. I, I mean, I wasn't totally surprised, but I was, because if that was the case, I, I think we would have heard about it earlier this year. Uh, there's always been concern since he's been drafted about his weight, about how good he really can be. Uh, and even Russ Langer was on my program, and when I brought up Rosario and Smith, he was more tempered. He wasn't negative, but he was more tempered about Smith and his season at uh, Vegas. Any thoughts that you have on that? Because that's that's a big thing if this kid comes up, and the only way you'll know is if he plays in in, in August and September. Uh, you know, if this kid is as bad as they are saying, then then you got to hold it for his base. You got to you got to figure out. You know what you're going to do as far as there. Are you going to go out and bring maybe Duda back? Uh, I don't think you you could take that risk with a bad back. Uh, who's yeah, someone who could um, maybe get a multi-year deal? As far as the comments go, I thought it was, for lack of better phrase, a load of crap. Um, sounded like an old an old um, wordage. He he worked Smith worked his butt off with a personal trainer this off season and looked he I know people say the whole best shape of the life is life thing, but this this was an actual case of Smith coming in and the best shape he's been in as a pro baseball player. Um I watch him weekly. I don't see he he's never he's never gonna be that guy that you look you look at and think, Oh, he's in great shape. That that's not what Dom Smith is, but then again, he doesn't have to be if he's hitting. I mean, he's hitting three thirty. Prince right Fielder now. never was in great shape. Now I know yeah, he had fifty he, home runs, but Prince Fielder never yeah. was in great shape. And Smith slugging over five hundred. So I my my expectations are a little tempered with Smith because he still he still doesn't have enough of power that I think is going to play right away in the major leagues. Um, I think expectations are a little too high for him for next year. I think he's a guy that's going to be in the low to mid-700s with his OPS, which doesn't give you a whole lot of production at first base. Obviously, he's going to be good with the glove yeah. there. But I think it, 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 it's a tough spot because for them to contend next year, I think, or better chance to contend, I think if you could – I know it's not – it's not likely. I think in a perfect scenario, I would bring Duda back on a one-year deal. But again, that's highly unlikely to happen unless unless he plays the rest of the year healthy and they give him a qualifying offer and he accepts Very that. risky. I, Very risky. I, that is de- definitely risky, but for contending next year, I think the best thing would be Duda, but that that's it's just unlikely because they're unlikely, unlikely to give him a multi-year deal. Um, so, what, what the fans don't realize is that that back injury he's had, and he's been pretty healthy this year, is not what David Wright has, but it's not. It's in that same family, and back injuries are debilitating when it comes to baseball. You can't play. You can't play on either side yeah. of the ball. It's not like they can just tape it up or grind through it, like a bad elbow or a sore knee or something like that. I mean, it's it's debilitating, and and that's where you know you may get less value for Duda because the other teams know this. They're not dumb. They've they've probably seen medicals, and, and that's where you're going to have to maybe temper your expectations about what you could get in a deal. 
And getting back to Smith, I'm I'm so torn on him because I've been high on him for a while. And one of the things I noticed watching him in person last year in batting practice is when he's in batting practice, he has a little more uppercut to his swing or nowadays what we call a better launch angle in his swing. So that kind of got me excited. But then once you get into the game, he kind of gets back into that line drive swing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a good thing that he hits Keith the ball. Keith Hernandez will be so happy. Keith Hernandez yeah. will be really happy hearing that. <laughs> oh, I mean, Keith has already drooled over him when he's played in spring. And it's good that he hits all fields and that he's gonna he can be that type of hitter. But the problem is there's only so many of those types of hitters that have been successful at first base that have been line drive guys that hit 15, 17 home runs. And it's just tough to keep up that type of production and be a good first baseman. So I think, to me, he's still he's still going to work on that swing a little bit and pull a little more with that type of swing to improve his launch angle. Kind of like, I mean, that's one thing Daniel Murphy talks about when he talks about how he changed his success was pulling the ball more with a better launch angle. I think that's something that hopefully they can work with Smith on a little bit, and I think that'll kind of be one of the final pieces for him, along with maybe they got the right they got the right hitting coach. They got the right hitting coach. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people get on Kevin Long, but he's when it comes to getting left-handed guys to pull successfully that and pull with power, that is something that he's been very very good at. So it's really a perfect match for Smith, and maybe that's something that clicks a little bit this uh, um, spring training with Long, and maybe that that comes along. I just it's it's going to be tough next year. Say you put Smith at first and you put Rosario at shortstop, then you've got to try to figure out second and third. And while you have some options, you definitely want a veteran in one of those two spots, maybe both spots, because. It, it's going to be tough to contend because both of those guys are going to have some growing pains. Um, I don't think neither of those guys are going to be guys that come right in and hit like Conforto did when he came up his first time. I don't. I don't right. think either. You of those think guys are and right. like that. I mean, Reyes. Reyes had some growing pains. Right, less so, but Reyes had some growing pains. Hey, a couple of quick uh, hits here before we wrap up. One, the Dodgers have been mentioned for Reed. Is there a name in the system that you really like that's realistic to get for Reed? Uh, you know, when it comes to the Dodgers, because I mean they're having a great year, they're going to go all in. They're not going to be worried about 2019, 2020. Even if there's a a prospect that could help them now, but they probably don't need him. What do you think about Reed and the Dodgers? Is that a good option for the Mets to get something of value back? Yeah, they they have a strong farm system, so that's that's definitely. You could pick out a couple of guys there. Um, one is Willie Calhoun. He's having a great year. 21 home runs, not striking out much. Um, he's playing second base, and his average there is a little below average, so some think he'll end up where he's played some in left field too. So that wouldn't help the Mets a ton. But I think if you could, if he hit enough and stayed at second base, that he would kind of be one of those options there for next year. Um, he's got a quick bat, makes a ton of contact. Um, like I said, he's hit 21 home runs. He's got 24 doubles, five triples. Um, I think he's a guy you definitely look at if you're talking trade with them. Another one is uh, right-hander Brock Stewart. 
pitcher who gets it up at about 97. He's, uh, he's mainly been a starter, which obviously the Mets could use. Um, and he could also pitch out of the bullpen if he needed, needed him to. He's 25. He's pitching in AAA right now. Um, I, I think he's a guy that you would look at too. Um, they've got a couple of good arms in that system. Uh, Jordan Sheffield is another right-handed arm that, um, is good. Another starter. He was, a first round pick last year. Um, who's the other one I was thinking of earlier? Oh, Dustin May, another right-handed two years ago. Um, he's a guy that I would target too. Good strikeout guy, pretty well-rounded pitcher. And, uh, it's funny, they uh, talk about spin rate with him quite a bit on his curveball. So, uh, as Mets fans know now, spin rate's pretty important on curveball when it comes to that with right. the whole Lugo thing. So, th- right. they have a good system. The You could go through and pick out about nine or ten names in the Dodgers farm system. And I, I didn't even mention Alex Verdugo, the outfielder, just because I think I don't I don't think he's going anywhere. He's sitting at AAA right now and one of their top prospects, and I I don't think they make him available. Um, if Alderson could, that would be, to me, that would be kind of like your Beltron for Wheeler thing. If Alderson right. could get Verdugo for um, Reed, he that would be fantastic. Hey, last, uh, last quick thing before I wrap up. Um... Other than Rosario and Smith, is there anybody else in the system right now you'd like to see you know get a shot August September to kind of uh, you know prepare them as a piece for next year bullpen arm maybe a backup role who knows but uh, anybody else that you're looking at? Um, I'm I'm kind of surprised I haven't got a shot yet, but uh, right hand reliever Kevin McGowan from Vegas, um, good fastball, change up. We saw him a little bit. He struggled a little bit in spring. He got some opportunities. Um, he's definitely a guy I think we see if more so if they trade Reed. I think that's kind of an option there. So I I think I'd like to see him. I would also like to see – I'd like to see Cicchini play some more at second. He's, he's played well and has limited opportunities the last two years. So if you – if you traded Cabrera, and I think it's even possible you trade Walker in August, um, I would like to see Cicchini play some more second base and to see exactly what they have in him there. So uh, another arm is um, Alberto Baldonado in AAA. I know that I know the numbers aren't great there, um, but again, it's Lugo had a 6.55 ERA when he came up from AAA. So. It, it's tough to read into those AAA stats. Paul Donato is a lefty that throws 94-95 and has a good curveball. So, I mean, to me, as long command is an issue, as long as he can um, not walk too many guys, he's the type of guy I think that's going to be um, he's going to be a sixth, seventh inning reliever, and they're going to they're going to need some guys like that. So, I think Paul Donato is an arm that I would take a look at too. Well, Michael, listen, great spot, a lot of info. It'll be an interesting week ahead. I'm sure we'll catch up before the season's out. Be well. Uh, obviously, they could uh, catch you on Twitter at Mike Mayer MMO, and uh, we'll do this again. All righty, my friend? Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me on. All right, Michael Mayer, MetsMiners.net, MetsMiners.online.com. Good stuff.
Let's take a quick break. When I return, wrap up. Final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. Check me out all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And uh, you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. We'll be right back. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. Good stuff from Michael Mayer there. Really appreciate him uh, coming on. One other name I'm going to throw to you guys. I was uh, exchanging some texts earlier today with a friend who's a scout uh, for another uh, ball club. I won't tell you what league it's in, but he brought up the name uh, Kiebert Ruiz, a high A catching prospect, and uh, saw you know great makeup behind the plate. Uh, just turned 18, so very young. Uh, you know, that that's the kind of deal that the Mets are probably going to be faced with with a lot of these players, and it's going to take their scouting, and then are these potential top 10 assets that they can add? You know, that's that's really what they're what they're faced with. So it'll be really interesting to see how, how it goes. And I'll tell you what, catching is going to be a need. I know Michael's, you know, thrown out, and I really didn't talk to him too deeply about Lucroy, but I still think Lucroy, if you look at his defensive numbers, especially throwing runners out, uh, historically, he's been a good hitter. This is an outlier year. I think that's a name that he should de- you should definitely continue to look at. I definitely would keep the Royals free agents in mind. Look, those guys, they were tough against the Mets. They showed me a lot. While the Mets were, com- uh, were happy to be in the World Series, the Royals wanted to win a World Series back in 2015. And guys like Moustakis and Hosmer and Kane, I know that right now the contracts and the money and things like that, Mets are going to have a lot of money to spend. Importing those kind of players, hard-nosed players, that even now in Kansas City, in the face of probably being undermanned and not having a legitimate shot to win, they're still out there playing hard, tough. They've got a championship pedigree. That's the kind of players that the Mets got to look at in free agency. Bring them in here and bring some of that because this is a too comfortable team with a manager that doesn't push people. And if he's going to be back, God help us, they're going to need some veterans that are going to push them for him because you're not going to get that from the manager's office. The manager's too too easily ready to provide comfort and aid to these veterans. So it will be an interesting week. Just a programming note, the next show will be after the deadline so we can analyze and assess and talk. And look, even though if the Mets don't make any trades, there's still the waiver wire period, which I think all these players pretty much maybe with the exception of Addison Reed, will make it through because you still have some salary out there. And, and you know, teams don't want to just, depending on who they who blocks blocks the player, don't want to just absorb salary. But you never know. The game has changed a lot. And, you know, teams for a comp- 
you know, competitive reasons would potentially absorb some salary. So I shouldn't say that with absolute certainty, but it's very unlikely. That's what I would say. So anyway, fun show. Uh, really uh, had a good time with Michael and talking a little bit about what the Mets could do here leading up to the deadline. Of course, you could check out Michael at MetsMorizeOnline.com, also MetsMiners.net at Mike Mayer MMO on uh, Twitter. Of course, you can check out this show all the time at MetsMorizeOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'll see you after the trade deadline next week. Take care, everybody.